And welcome back, folks, to this November episode of Make Mine Multiversity, a Marvel podcast. I'm Kevin. With me, as usual, is Jess, but not Nick. Turns out Nick was the uh, was the turkey that President Trump didn't pardon yesterday. Oh, so no. Do with that what you will. Um, oh, poor Nick. Womp, womp, womp. Rip. Rest in peace, Nick. Rip Nick. Rip Nick. Um, we are recording this episode right before we all celebrate coloni- colonization on Thursday. Sweet. So good times. Good Thanksgiving holiday things. Um, and yeah, thanks for being here. We're a monthly Marvel podcast hit you, hitting you up with all, all the Marvel news, all the Marvel content that your heart could desire. So instead of tweeting dumb questions at creators on Twitter, come to us and we'll tell you everything you need to know. Please subscribe to us on iTunes, check us out, rate us, review us, and then also head on over to multiversitycomics.com where we're hosted, where there's a ton of other uh, comic content and podcasts and all sorts of other fun entertainment news things. They're gearing up for the end of 2018 stuff, so you can be looking for that in a couple weeks. Um, But with that, we're going to get started with some news stuff for the month of November. So, Jess, you ready? How you doing today? Let's let's do it. I sound a little a little bad because I'm coming I'm coming off a cold, but let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. So we're gonna start off a little bit more somberly than we usually do, uh, because uh, last week on November twelfth of twenty eighteen, uh, Stan Lee passed away at the age of ninety five in Los Angeles. So Stan Lee is the co creator of most of the Marvel characters that you would associate with Marvel nowadays with, you know, with artists, with artists like Jack Kirby and Steve Ditko. So like Spider-Man, Thor, the X-Men, Black Panther, Iron Man, the Fantastic Four, all those Stanley had a hand in it, in them in some way. And you might have been seeing a lot of, you know, you might remember seeing Stanley in all the cameos and all the Marvel movies that you've seen over the course of your lifetime. Uh, We're not going to spend a whole lot of time here. Um, and there's a lot of, a lot of people have said a lot of things in the last week about Stanley's death. We ran an obit at multiversitycomics.com, which you're welcome to check out. Um, some other people wrote some other op-eds and things. People have said all sorts of stuff about his life and some of the more controversial and complicated things about his relationship with people like Jack Kirby and Steve Ditko and the level of, um, actual cre- creator things that he did in the midst of some of these characters. But for the most part, Stan Lee was sort of the face of, of Marvel comics for a while. And there were a lot of people that were on, on Twitter um, that were celebrating his life, celebrating what these characters have meant, have meant to them. Like on Monday, all of, all of nerddom kind of, kind of stopped for a little bit and took some time to, to tweet and to Facebook and to talk about Stan Lee and things. A lot of Excelsiors on Monday. Um, so Jess, what are, were any thought, thoughts or comments or, or, you know, things that come to mind when you, when you think about, about Stanley and the life of, of Stanley I mean, and all that, all that jazz. So I, I, like I said, I, I'm coming off a cold, so I didn't actually have a chance to write anything for the obit. And, um, I don't think I would have said anything unique or interesting, but I think, when someone passes away first of all 95 is fantastic like you know 95 is a full exciting life um so it's more just a sadness that you know people do pass away that's a thing that happens in our lives so it's sad that he's gone but it's not you know unexpected um i think 
it's hard to completely say that he didn't deserve some of his legacy. Um, his relationships with his co-creators are very controversial and he did do things and handle things in bad ways. Um, it would have been nice to see um, things go a bit differently in regards to that. Um, but he, he did do something um, more cynical people don't have that take. And I think that's wrong. Um, so yes, he, really did screw up a lot of ways. He did take credit, more credit than he probably deserved, but I think what he did with that credit that he took helped the medium. Um, he was definitely a guy who was not afraid of the camera. He wasn't uh, shy in interviews. Like, And I think comics kind of needed somebody like that. Comics kind of, um, you know, he appeared in all the Marvel movies, but if you ask just any random person on the street, who Stan Lee was and they'll just probably say comics guy, you know, they know him for that. And I think that's really important because I can't put that. I don't think there's any other creators that have that kind of rec that, uh, that kind of recognition, uh, who are recognized that way. I don't, I don't think there's many other people, maybe Robert Kirkman, but I don't think, um, even he has that even a Todd McFarlane. I don't even think he has that. Um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I couldn't. I couldn't recognize those people if I saw them walking. Probably, but I, yeah. I mean, and that's and that's the thing, you know. Um, he he didn't do any of it by himself, and I think that's important to keep saying. Um, but he did so much um, good, and he did. He was the face of comics for a lot of people, and he really loved everything about comics. You could tell it wasn't just a paycheck for him or, well, this is kind of what I fell into. It, it took him a long time to get big in comics, which I, th I think a lot of people don't really remember. It, it's, um, it, it took him a long time to actually get a hit. He was about to quit and he didn't. Um, and so much of what he helped create has stood the test of time. And that's really something to me. Um, yeah, it's. I don't think you should forget the bad things anyone did when they die. You're not uh, immediately absolved of all that, but I think we should also look at someone's life in full um, and really weigh the, what the bad things they did compared to the good things they did and see what their legacy is. And I think that, like all of us, Stan Lee did things and said things and was things that really may not have reflected who he was in his later life. But um, he, I think he's been held responsible for all that by a lot of fans, especially hardcore fans. Um, but I do think he did something very valuable for comics at the same time. So he, he's just a very complicated person and my feelings on it are very complicated. Um, but yeah, he's, he's definitely going to be missed. I, I mean, I, I mean, like I said, I don't think anybody has his, has ever reached his level of being recognized by just random person on the street. People who never read a comic book knew who Stanley was. And that's, that's a big deal given the way the industry is. It's so small. And um, unless you go to a comic book convention, you don't know what these people look like. So um, yeah, I, I mm -hmm. think he, He's complicated, and, and my feelings are complicated, but it's it's a big it's a big deal that he's no longer here. Sure, sure, sure. No, I think that's I think that's really I think that's really well said. Like, I think there's in the next like in the next few few years or several years, like there's there's going to be a lot a lot more 
people I think talking about about what what you were saying like this this controversial relationship that Lee had with some of his uh, co-creators and and all this stuff and there'll be books that'll be written and and conversations to be had and all of that but I think I think at the end of the day for me like I got I got really emotional sort of on Monday and and it was partly because I was watching people not necessarily mourn like Stanley like the person of Stanley but like mourning like what Stanley meant like Stanley is like like the legend like Stanley is um, <clears throat> sort of this like foundational person in the midst of of uh, like Mar- you know in Marvel's life, um, and so like for that I got really emotional and like watching people talk talking about like meeting Stanley and like what all these characters and these these stories and um, and this world that in in some way shape or form he helped to to form and fashion and create whether as as a writer or as as an editor, um, like that that was really that was really really touching for me and so that was that was that was what was at the at the core of a lot of things for me i saw a lot of i mean there were a lot of all the comic book news websites or a lot of them got like i loved that so a jude jude tear over at, at bleeding cool oh, was, was like um, pointing pointing out all the stuff that comicbook.com was doing like with all the uh like 50 or so articles that they published in the wake of like stanley's death and just like exploiting it for clicks that was really, really, that was really, really tacky, I thought. And then there were a lot of people that like got on the internet and were, were talking about exactly what you were saying. Like Stanley is like a horrible person and he, okay, I treated his creators and like, okay, like it's fine that, you know, he's gone now or whatever, like let's move on. And I think like when people die, I mean, yeah, like you said, like you're not supposed to erase all the bad things that people do in their life. Like you take that into, into like, into like the account, but like he's like, he's still a person and he's still like, he still died. And it's like a, it's like a sad it's like a sad thing whether or not you think he was like a great upstanding citizen or not. And so I had, I had a lot of feelings on, on that day, just about how some of that stuff played out. But I think um, like there'll be, I mean, I, yeah, it was, it was a, it was a, it was a sad moment. It's sad for, for what it means for, for like fandom. There's, like Mar- Marvel in some way, shape or form would not be what Marvel looks like today without, without Stanley, whether that's like a small, as small a droplet of creativity as you want to give him or as massive as some people want to attribute that. And so for that, we say Excelsior and we, we move on, pour one out for, for Stanley. Alrighty. Alrighty. All right. Well, we're going to move on to something a lot less somber um, and cover uh, all of Marvel's fun news things for the month of November. There's another week left in November. So if there's more stuff that comes out uh, next week following Thanksgiving, we'll cover it in our next episode. But the biggest news to come out uh, for the month of November is the news of the Age of X-Men, which is this huge event in the X-Men line of comics that is spinning out of the weekly uncanny X-Men disassembled arc. So beginning um, in, in February, Marvel is launching six five issue limited series as sort of this alternative utopian world uh, that's going to be called the age of X-Men. And it's similar sort of to the age of apocalypse um, things that ran in the nineties. So we'll get to that in a second, talking about kind of what that was. Um, actually, no, we'll, we'll talk about the now. So Jess, why don't you, if you could, and for like a couple, like a, like a paragraph or so, kind of summarize like what the age of apocalypse is before we talk about 
sort of how these these titles are similar to that that event. Uh, so <clears throat> basically, Age of Apocalypse um, replaced the entire X Men universe. Um, what happened was Marvel was uh, there. There were there wasn't a lot. Uh, X Men weren't doing so great. Um, a lot, some people uh, kind of think the X Men died in '94, and like everything that's come later is just them not knowing what to do with the X Men, which I think is baloney. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, initially, when Age of Apocalypse ran, they literally stopped everything and they replaced the entire line with these books. And basically, Legion um, travels back in time and he kills Magneto before he could do like all these kinds of things, but he accidentally kills Xavier. And so if you accidentally kill Xavier before Xavier does anything, the entire timeline is changed. And so because Xavier is dead, Apocalypse is able to attack like way sooner than he ever does. Um, I think it's like a decade or something, maybe more. He comes sooner and he's able to win because Xavier's not there. There's like no X-Men or whatever. So the entire timeline gets completely messed up and apocalypse wins and then they're all stuck in this horrible world where apocalypse is like the big bad guy who runs the world now um eventually there's a bunch of people um that get together as like a there's there's basically a bunch of tie-in series because the entire line got replaced by these books that all take place in the age of apocalypse timeline um so all these books have their own thing going on and there's like crossovers and there's like a, a bunch of resistance teams that start coming up and <clears throat> they end up sending, I think it's Bishop cause he's a time traveler and they send him back to like prevent like Xavier from getting killed and it undoes the whole thing for a long time. That was the established timeline. Age of Apocalypse happened, and then it got undone, and then the X-Men stories kept going with all the changes that may have may or may not have happened. Then they retconned the entire thing. It still happened, but it happened on an alternate Earth. So it, it that's so like I think it, they did an anniversary series later on that is completely like a totally separate thing. And so now what sometimes happens is like in cable stories or anything with Hope Summers or whatever, um, they'll sometimes go back to the Age of Apocalypse universe and do like these little side stories that still exist in there. And then um, a bunch of characters uh, came from it, I think. (coughs) Sorry. Um, I think like Nate Gray, um, Dark Beast, uh, there were a couple others that I can't remember that all came out from that. Um, but basically that's what it was. They replaced the entire timeline and the entire uh, line of books with age of apocalypse. And it was like one year. And if you decided to like read it, it would take you a long time. And then uh, it came back. Oh man. When did it come back? I think it came back for like the 10th anniversary and it ran for like a good year. Um, And it, I don't remember how it ended, but it, it wasn't, it wasn't good. It, it kind of lost it. Once they retconned it, it kind of lost the spark that kind of made it interesting. Because then it was just an Elseworld story that kind of didn't have any ramifications when the whole story was built up as, oh my gosh, look at all these things that are going to come out of this. Um, it's still good. I like it. It's just I haven't read all the, all the individual series because it would take you a long time to actually get through them all. It's It's a huge read. I think... If you try to like buy it, it's like massive volumes to, to finish it all. 
Um, and like the reading order is like bizarre or something. There's a bunch of like people who have put together their own reading list, but it's it's a lot. Um, but that's that's basically it. Um, it's the story everyone knows for like Apocalypse. It's it's the thing that everybody's like, oh, I wonder when they'll actually adapt it or whatever. But that's it. That's really all it is. Okay. Okay. I think I yeah I tried to like when I like started getting into comics and I was like just buying trades before I had Marvel Unlimited. I bought the like first big deluxe Age of Apocalypse thing because I had like tried to do all my Marvel research and it was like and that was like a thing that kept showing up on Amazon or whatever and it's like okay I guess I need to try to read this like this seems like the thing to do and I bought the like the like Age of Apocalypse like prelude thing it was like 400 pages and I got like 40 pages in and I was like I have no idea what the fuck is going on and so then I returned it <laughs> and I never read any of it um but that's so i think this is it seems like it's going to be a lot more manageable so beginning on january 30th we're getting an age of x-man alpha issue and i should mention so correct correct me if i'm wrong so nate gray that character you just mentioned he's x-man right that's his character or whatever yeah okay and he's like sort of a alternate he's the age of apocalypse version of cable Something like that, right? But he's like a weird, like messianic figure thing. Yeah, he's he's the alternate version of um of Cable. He he is directly from that, and he's he he is the biological son of Scott and Jean. But I think um he was basically made by Mister Sinister because Mister Sinister is obsessed with both of those uh genetic lines. Okay. Yeah. Okay. 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 Cool. All right. So we got Age of X-Man Alpha written by Zach Thompson and Lonnie Nadler with art by Ramon Rosanis. So that comes out in January. That's like kicks off this all Age of X-Man stuff after the uncanny disassembled thing ends in January. And so then in February, we have uh, all these six issues. We have four of them launching in February and two of them launching in March. So the ones launching in February and like the order of the Wednesdays that they're launching in. They're all monthly. So we have The Marvelous X-Men, which features Jean Grey and Colossus and X-23 and X-Man and Nature Girl. I don't know who that is. Is that like a a, a character that I that you know or that we should know? Or is that like a weird this story character? No, she's a character that exists. She, I think, is one of the more recent uh, creations for like the younger characters. Um, yeah <laughs> okay yeah. okay okay so x-man nature girl and then and magneto and that's written by nadler and thompson um and illustrated by marco feya and so this is like the most famous x-men of this utopian world all on a team together so then the next week we have launching uh next gen which is feature features all these like young x-men characters so glob and armor and is it a null is that how you say it a-n-o-l-e or is it a nolly or anole yeah and also gold balls i'm very excited and gold balls yeah my beautiful boy is coming back (laughs) that's his name his power is that he projects like these giant gold orbs at people he's great nice he's great he's the best he has the best name too i mean come on (laughs) also named gold balls i mean come on i would love to be named gold balls (laughs) That's my that's my gamer tag is Gold Balls twenty three. Um, Gold Balls no. four twenty. 
Gold, ball, gold balls 420 hit me up with that sweet kush and gold balls um uh i don't know where i was going with that um gold balls and, and rock slide rock slide yeah rock slides in the uncanny issue and things so that one's written by ed brisson and with art by marcus toe so it's like the young x-men at what they're calling the summers institute for higher learning instead of the xavier institute and they're sort of like rebelling against this like perfect system then we have the amazing nightcrawler written by Seanan McGuire with art by Juan Frigeri. So this is like Kurt getting his time to shine. He's a famous Hollywood actor. Just, I think the, the solicit said he's like more famous than Dwayne, the rock Thompson. So oh my God. Um, he, you know he's like that really famous. Great. Do you know what would be really great for them to do with Nightcrawler? Basically have him like, so like his whole thing is he really loves Errol Flynn movies. So like, what if his mm-hmm. movies in this universe are basically just those pirate movies? Oh, that would be great. That'd be so good. Oh my god, Marvel, steal that idea. Do it. You, you, don't, Kurt, you don't even have to pay me. Just take it. I just want to read it. Kurt has replaced Johnny Depp as the lead in all the Pirates of the oh Caribbean movies. Oh my god! <laughs> oh, that'd be awesome. Yeah, that is that is what happened. That's how he got famous. So then the, the, uh, the next week we have The Extremists which is featuring Psylocke and Iceman, Northstar, Blob, Jubilee, and Manetta. Is that also a character that I should know? M-O-N-E? No, I think that's one of the younger... There's like a whole bunch of young characters that got created like later on Mm -hmm. to like they could have like actual students, so... (laughs) Okay, okay, so she's an actual student. Okay, so that one's written by Leia Williams with art by Georges Jaunty. So they're like mutant cops that deal with all the bad stuff in this perfect world because there has to be a handful of bad things in this perfect world or whatever. So they they like black bag people, basically, I think is what it's looking like. Um, so already we got the the uh, sort of thing that maybe things are not as good in this little utopia as they should be because fascism. Anyway, uh, so then we got two more uh, related X, Age of X-Man titles that are coming out in March. Uh, so we got Apocalypse and the X tracks, which feature Apocalypse and like Kid Apocalypse, and then maybe Dazzler and some other people. We don't know who's all in this. We got all that information about who's all in these teaser images previously from the solicits, which came out this week. But that one's written by Tim Seeley with art by Salva Espen. And then we have Prisoner X, which comes out the next week. And I think all those characters in that one are Bishop, Honey Badger, Trinary, Polaris, and Beast based on the image and that one's written by Vita Ayala with art by German Peralta so that's a lot of X-Men content that took a while to get through uh so Jess what are what are your initial thoughts about the the age of X-Men um it could be pretty cool um I I I don't dislike Elseworld type things I'm it's very much my thing I love that I love like alternate takes on worlds I just hope that like I just hope it's good and I hope they don't give us all these kinds of things that we should be expecting and then it doesn't really come to that. Like, at least for me, like, Age of Apocalypse is really good, but also it ended up not having the impact, like, on the story because they ended up uh, 
retconning it anyway to a separate universe. Um, if that's just what this is up front, then that's great. But if stuff happens and stuff changes, I'd really like to see those kind of stick around and give everybody kind of new places to play around and do new things. Um, cause I think there's so many really great characters, young and old, and you can still do a lot of different things with them. I just hope that whatever they do here, I hope some of it sticks, even if everything reverts back to what it was, but I hope some of it sticks. Um, I hope there's some little exciting things that happen. Um, but these teams are really good. I've been saying for a while that part of the X-Men kind of not being great is that they didn't have like new talent coming in and doing new things. And I think once they started having Matthew Rosenberg come in, um, and Tom Taylor come in and do some new stuff, I think that's really rejuvenated the line. Um, I, I'm very excited that Vita Ayala is writing a book for this, a whole like series, not like a mini, not like a, a issue here or there. I think that's great. Um, Leah Williams, um, her Emma Frost issue was so good. Um, so mm-hmm, mm-hmm, I, mm-hmm. I'm really excited that that she's doing something here. And Nadler and Thompson, um, to me, had like um, a really good year this year. They really broke out, and I think that they have a lot to give to the X Men universe. The last arc of the Cable series that that recently ended is one of my favorite things that got put out this year. It's so good. It, it's and 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 what really strikes me about the way the two of them write, especially with with the X Men, they love the history and they'll take the history and they'll use it in really fun ways without making it feel like you should have known this before coming in. You don't need to know anything. They're going to tell you what you need to know. And that Cable uh, arc is so good. I wish they would put it out like on its own separate from the series because I don't think a lot of people read it. And if you're a cable fan, you, you should read it. It's so good. Um, so yeah, I, I think these teams are really good. I'm, I'm interested. I'm really interested in this. I, I think this could be the, the kick that they need to like, kind of go on a new, a new golden age of, of X-Men. I I'm excited for it. I think these could be really good. Yeah, yeah, I think I, I definitely agree with a lot of things you said. Like, I think like the people like like Vita Ayala and um and Leia Williams who are coming in, who like and Sean and McGuire, who like are these people that Marvel has like brought in in this last year to do like sort of like one offs and like small things and tie ins and stuff. And like now they're, I mean, like this these are still like like tie ins to like events, but like it's a whole series, like it's a whole five issues. Like that's that's more than some you know like like that's like a pretty good run for like a book, I guess, like in the, like in this day and age or whatever. Um, and so, yeah, like they could be really exciting. I think it's int- like, I, I guess I'm like curious, like which one of these seems like that's going to be like the like main book or whatever. Cause you said something just now, like, Oh, like the things that happen in these issues, like like some of it needs to stick or like some of it needs to feel like it's important. Uh, and I, and I think like, yeah, like when you're telling Elseworlds stories like this, um, like you could like it could have the tendency like for these to all be tie ins. But I think like if this is going to be like a whole, you know, six months of story, like something like has to happen in all these books that sort of ties in. So I don't know how that's all going to work, I guess, is what I'm saying. I mean, I guess if I had to pick one, I guess probably the Marvelous X-Men book is going to be like the main one. Yeah. Yeah. But everything else is going to be important. I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. So we should also mention too. So in Candy, we were, it was unclear before, uh, before um, like this last week, 
if Uncanny X-Men was going to continue past issue 10 uh, after the disassembled arc, after the weekly thing ended. And it is. So there are two issues, 11 and 12 are coming out in February. So I guess it's going to ship by bi-monthly or whatever. The the bi the bi monthly that means two times a month, not the bi monthly that means every other month. Um, so there are two issues coming out in February. Those are going to be written solely by Matthew Rosenberg with art by Salvador Larocca, and that's going to feature like Cyclops and Wolverine because apparently Cyclops is going to be alive again, circa issue eleven, and Wolverine, some Wolverine. There's a lot of weird Wolverine stuff. We'll get to that in a second. Um, but they'll both be a part of this book and they got Salvador LaRocca coming back. Who's like a big, he's like a, a sort of big X-Men artist, I think in some ways, like, I think he's, that's, that's what people, people were excited about LaRocca coming back. So that book is going to continue and it'll kind of, I think tie into this whole big universe thing. Like, I think I, so, so I think like the, maybe the question is, is like, this is all exciting. Like the talent, the sign of these books is really exciting, but does this feel like, Marvel's retreading old ground again by retreading uh, by you know taking up this sort of age of apocalypse type story um that's kind of my my question or my thought um I don't know not, I mean not to me because I, I feel like if they were trying to do I feel like if they had just said yeah we're gonna do age of apocalypse a revisit of it I think that would have been a problem but this seems to really be its own thing I'm I'm ex- I mean I'll I mean we'll see I'm I'm gonna give it a shot um and I'm ca- I'm cautiously optimistic about it. Okay, okay, that's fair. Yeah, I think, um, and we'll we'll talk about some of this too. I think when we talk about Uncanny X Men in the second part of the episode, and but I think ev- all of these X Men events and announcements that we've talked about over the last year, like I think that we've talked about like the level of nostalgia within like the X Men line, um for for like especially the 90s for the last year and that's not to say that like the x-men line isn't isn't good right now like it's been like there have been a lot of things that have i guess been better in the last year um like x-men red was definitely a highlight but it like took one of the um or like the 90s and the early 2000s it took you know like the main villain of grant morrison's or one of the villains from grant morrison's new x-men run and like ran with that uh like the phoenix resurrection stuff with gene gray we talked about some of like, like the level of nostalgia and some of that. So like this definitely feels like kind of we're returning, we're returning to the well, but like, we're not like revisiting it. Like we're revamping it. Like, I think, yeah, like I think absolutely what you said, Jess, if, if this was a, like an age of apocalypse 2.0 or age of apocalypse redux or age of apocalypse two, you know, like I think that would be more problematic than, um, taking a story and then asking like a different set of questions. Cause like age of apocalypse was like a dystopia. And this seems like it's supposed to be like a, like a perfect world kind of thing. So it's like a little bit different to age to apocalypse to age to apocalypse. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, God, what are now I'm trying to think of like bad sequels of things that shouldn't exist. Um, Oh, Anchorman to Age of Apocalypse to the Ballad of, of I don't Apocalypse know. Anyway, um, to Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Oh, there we can't, go. Call me Marvel. I've got more ideas. Can't can't top that. All right. Uh, any any other X thoughts before we move on? Nope. All right. So also coming out in February of 2019, Daredevil's coming back with a new number one issue written by new series writer chip zadarsky 
with art by Marco Cicchetto. So this is coming off the death of Daredevil arc in November, which is the end of Charles Soule's run, which comes out next week on the 28th. And then also the Man Without Fear weekly series that comes out in January. Uh, we don't really know a lot about uh, what what path Zdarsky is going to take Daredevil other than that, like Soul's apparently going to kill him, but maybe not kill him because Newsarama ran an article earlier where they had uh, found the like uh, summary information from the first volume of Zdarsky's new run on Amazon. And it said that something about Matt's going to survive his death and souls run. So he's not really going to die. He's just going to kind of die, um, which is okay. I guess I think that's better than him actually dying and being resurrected was in some convoluted way. I'm all for the like almost deaths, um, but apparently he's going to be like injured a lot. He's going to be doing some physical therapy. And so Zdarsky's run is going to s- start with him wondering if he can go back to being daredevil and if he can do this whole thing again. Um, so yeah, so Jess, your initial thoughts, are you surprised? We hadn't really talked about Zadarsky as one of the people that we thought was going to be on Daredevil when we talked about Dare- this a couple weeks ago, or a couple months ago. I I am super into them picking him, especially if this is going to be him, like, you know, like, comedians always are like, yeah, I'm a comedian, but now I want an Academy Award, so let me write something serious, let me do something serious. I feel like this is Zadarsky's I'm funny, so let me do something serious now moment. And I'm so I'm rooting for him. I hope it's really good. I I cuz it's hard I think to get like named as like that's what you do. You do funny comics. And I think that's hard cuz like not every story you might come up with is going to be funny. Not every concept is funny, you know? He's a talented writer and I I I hope I mean if it's funny, it's funny, but that'll be fine, but like because I, I, I know there's a lot of people who uh, enjoyed like Mark Wade's run because he brought a little levity to it, and I think um, that would be interesting. But I, I kind of hope he's like goes full Frank Miller here. <laughs> like, let's go! Like, bring, bring the pain, Zadarsky. I want to be miserable. Bring Reagan reading back this. to this comic. <laughs> I want to see Ronald Reagan. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, yeah. I think. I think. Uh, I think that's the question. Like what kind of tone is the going to take with all this stuff? Like, is it going to be more like the Mark Wade, Chris Samney run, which was kind of sort of like more jovial. And like Matt was like a little bit like of a happier person, or is it going to be like full on sort of like dark, dark daredevil. And I think too, like this is, I think like being on daredevil at Marvel, I think is sort of like the, like the check mark of like, you're, you're one of the, like one of the good ones at Marvel. Like I think Marvel puts, um, like some of its like best people on Daredevil. Like there, I think there there are almost more great Daredevil stories at Marvel than there are maybe any other character than like maybe Spider Man or the Fantastic Four at like at Marvel. I don't know if that is maybe accurate. I'm gonna go with it and the, or the X Men. Fuck. All right, never mind. This breaks down. But uh, but yeah, like I think it's I think it's a cool thing. Um. I think I was a little bit surprised. Like I'm definitely rooting for him. Like like Marvel two and one, uh, which also ends uh, also ends this month, was like one of my favorite books of like the last year or so. Like I think Zdarsky wrote a great twelve issues of that book, uh, and like his spectacular Spider Man stuff like started off really strong, and I was like really excited about a lot of a lot about a lot of those things. And so I think like this has the potential to be really really good. Um, and that's not even to mention like Marco Cicchetto. I love. 
I love his art. Like it's just, it's just gorgeous. Um, and so I think, uh, like, I think it's like, this is a great, like, I think this is a great pairing. I think it's going to be really, really cool. Um, like if he, if he chooses to do like something more light in tone, I'd still be into it probably. But like, what if he just shows up and like Robin Williams it and like, is really good at like the heavy stuff. Cause Robin Williams was a funny guy, but also if he wanted to like bring out the dramatic chops that he That's had, true. he would do it. Zdarsky is going to be comics. Yeah. Robin Williams. Dead, Dead Poet Society is a great movie. <laughs> um, oh man, here we go. Zdarsky, my captain, pain, my captain. <laughs> Kill up all his girlfriends. Make us sad. <laughs> Kill all the partners. All of them. Bring them all. Bring them all back as zombies, and then put them in the ground again. I oh, could say that. Um, oh, I think the other. So I think the other sort of observation that I had with this too is that um, this sort of marks all of Marvel's 2018 class of young guns or whatever being on like some of Marvel's hugest, hugest and biggest books. Sort of like Pepe Larraz was on No Surrender and he's finishing up on Extermination. And his like next project hasn't been announced yet, but like extermination was a big event. Um, so I can only imagine that he's got something big coming up. Javier Garon's um, going to be starting on the Miles Morales book with Saladin Ahmed in December. Marco Cicchetto's here doing Daredevil. Aaron Cooter is doing the Fantastic Four wedding and then is doing like that whole arc and probably switching off with um, Sarah Frick. I can't remember her last name who was doing Pacelli. Pacelli. Uh, thank you. Uh, and that stuff, Del Mundo's on Thor. And then Dodderman recently got announced to be doing War of the Realms, which is going to be after 18 months of not having really like a huge line wide, their entire line event. This is going to be at Dodderman's like front and center. So they are really investing in those uh, already Eisner awarding winning young guns. When, but, but yeah, it, I just I, I noticed that because Chichetto, like before this, he did that 12 issue Old Man Hawkeye book. And that just seemed like it was probably a, not a, like a super successful book or like great book or whatever. I didn't I didn't read any of it. I mean, it could have been it could have been really great, but I'm sure it didn't sell super well. Um, but now he's like front and center and like the and like the Marvel line or whatever. Um, but yeah, cool. Any other any other Daredevil thoughts? No. Okay. I'm excited. I'm excited. I am too. We it'll be good. It'll be good. I will I will, this might be one that I actually pay for instead of just reading the preview copy. Um, cool. So moving on, also in February, uh beginning a five issue mini series. We have Wolverine Infinity Watch, written by Jerry Duggan, illustrated by Andy McDonald. Spinning out of Infinity Wars and Marvel Legacy number one and Avengers 700 and some of the Thor stuff or not, or I don't know, but like what the, what the, like Wolverine in space, what the actual fuck? I don't understand. Jess, what are your, what are your thoughts about space? Wolverine? You know, it's going to be great <clears throat> at some point, what? at some point, Marvel is going to have to do the three Wolverine story. <laughs> there's like no way this is all the same guy so yeah they'll have to bring they'll bring jeff johns in and he'll make his marvel his marvelous marvel return gonna do it it's gonna be like a direct yeah. shot at dc be like yeah i'm writing uh the three wolverines 
they all vaguely look the same, but they're all different. <laughs> which which three eras of Wolverine? Um, Space Wolverine. Uh, Space Wolverine. Uh, the Wolverine from like right before he died, and like I don't know. Let's just throw in like. Hugh Jackman. I'll throw Hugh Jackman Wolverine in there for good measure. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we'll call it. Uh, oh, they're calling it the Three Wolverines. That's what they're the Three Wolverines. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, because he's got three claws, and they'd just be like Three Wolverines. Exactly. Yeah, and like they'll each be like a vaguely different color to represent the three different Wolverines on the cover. That's what it'll be. Yes, that's it. That's yes. My opinion on this Boom. book. That is my opinion. Give me. Wolverines. <laughs> Give me three Wolverines. So I think that we thought this was going to be like multiple Wolverines because, um, and we'll talk about Avengers number 10 or 700. It's the anniversary legacy numbering 700 and and a little bit in the second part of the episode. We thought there were multiple Wolverines running around. Like there was like space Wolverine from like Marvel legacy number one. And from like the Thor books, um, he's like the Phoenix Wolverine. And like, we thought that that was separate from like the return of Wolverine and the hunt for Wolverine, Wolverine books or whatever, but apparently not because the solicit for this book for the first issue references the like Persephone character or whatever that, um, uh, that is in the return of Wolverine book right now, the Charles soul book. So this might be the same Wolverine. This might be all the same Wolverine. So I really have no idea what's going on. Uh, this is going to be, they're making the return of Wolverine stuff way, way more complicated. He's not even going to return in the book that says the return of Wolverine. Probably he's going to go to space and be space Wolverine. Um, can Wolverine breathe in space or does like the I healing know, factor, no, like make it to where like, because Wolverine can literally do everything. So that's it's true. true. He can do everything. That's just... that. Those are the rules now. It is. It is. He can, he can, uh, he can do it all. He can do it all. He's the best at what he the best at what he does, and that's breathing in space, and having hot claws, which maybe be might be the Phoenix Force. Um, we. You have any other any other space Wolverine Infinity no, Watch no, weird none, thoughts? None. Okay, this is going to be strange. All right, rapid fire these next couple. We got Hulk Vereen. Speaking of Wolverine stuff more more claws coming out in february of 29 february 2019 which is when all these books have been coming out i don't know why i said that i'm just on a roll here i guess um so it's a three issue mini series written by greg pock illustrated by ario anandito who's doing issues one and three and gui villanova who's doing issue two so this is spinning out of the weapon h book which is starring that weird hulk wolverine character get it Hulk Vereen, Hulk Wolverine, Weapon H. I'll let you put that one together. Um, so we got the Hulk and Wolverine going to blows with Weapon H. They're just going to fight it out for three issues. Um, Jess, do you have any any Hulk Hulk Vereen type not. thoughts? And I things? am full again. I am <laughs> very good. Never reading this. Okay. All right, moving on. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, I I feel the same. I don't know why the Weapon H book exists, um, but it does, and people are buying it. Maybe so. People are into the claws, however they can get them. All right. Also in February, Old Man Quill starting. Apparently, Marvel is making the Old Man Universe a thing. Um, so we got another twelve issue Old Man book written by Ethan Sachs, who wrote the Old Man Hawkeye book, and illustrated by Robert Gill. 
Um, so I'm really confused why Marvel's catering to uh, to all its its, ger- its geriatric fan brace pretty hardcore here lately, and I don't understand. Um, why do they want this whole old man universe I, thing to to I, continue? I genuinely don't know. I really don't. I have no idea who's reading these books. Um, yeah, I can't wait for uh, I can't wait for the eventual crossover. It'll, it'll make be, absolutely no sense in any of those timelines, but go for it. It'll be the three old men there because we've had, we've had, yeah, and Jeff there Johns. Go, exactly. There you go. There you go. Three there old white go. dudes. That's what everybody wants. That's what we need. It's what it's what the Republican <laughs> Party wants. It's what everybody wants. Um, yeah, old man Quill, old Peter Quill in space, doing the old man things. Um, with his old man stuff and his taking all his pills and his cane. Not really. Apparently he still kicks ass as an old man. But, okay. All that being said, moving it right along. So we got a couple couple more little things. So um, Marvel released the first concept art for War of the Realms. It's a beautiful Russell Darderman, Matt Wilson uh, piece. Um it's got a lot of details and sort of some like preview things of things to come for uh, the war of the realm. So captain America's riding a, like a Valkyrie unicorn thing. Cause of course Jane Foster and daredevil got swords. Daredevil's got weird, like cosmic eye looking things. So some weird's going to happen to him. And then like, there are like some weird characters in the, in the like preview, like some unexpected characters that maybe you're, you didn't think we we're going to be in the story like Venom's in there and like the Punisher's in there. Luke Cage's on the preview preview image, Okoye. So like the Dora Milaje are on there and some others. And we know that it's now we now know it's going to be six issues. It's launching in April and it's going to finish up in June. So it's going to be twice monthly, April, May, June. Um, Jess, did you have a chance to check out, check out that, that image? I did. It's beautiful. I definitely need to catch up on Thor. It's it's, I want to catch up before um, this starts. Yeah, how much? What was the last Thor thing that you read before? Oh man, it it might be like the second issue of like the current series. Oh, okay, of like the relaunch. So I have a lot to catch up on. Yeah, yeah. I guess it's. I think it might be on like issue six or seven. I've been I've been slowly catching up. It. I think we were like a little bit hot, like a little bit hot or cold or whatever. Like sort of like, yeah, on the first issue. But I think it's it's gotten a lot better as it's gone on. So it's been good. I'm excited okay. to see more Jane Foster. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and some sweet Russell Dodderman art back in the Marvel Universe because I've been missing him. Um, so then last but not least, uh, Disney announced what the name of their new streaming service thing is going to be that's going to launch next year. It's going to be called Disney Plus, which is a lame name. Um, and they're gonna, they're, they confirmed that they are launching Marvel Cinematic Universe content on the Disney Plus streaming service thing, and they confirmed that they are developing a show about Loki that will star Tom Hiddleston's character, Loki. I don't know how that's possible because spoiler alert, he died in infinity war, but everybody comes back somehow. So Loki's getting a show on the Disney streaming service. Um, Jess, what are your thoughts about, about that? And just like about the, the streaming thing in general. I mean, I don't know if I'm ready to subscribe to... Uh, well, no, I am because it'll Star Wars shows. Um, no, uh, I just <laughs> yeah. remember like, both of those, Diego Luna and... Uh, oh, my God, who was the other one? Uh, Pedro Pascal. Mm-hmm. 
my, my, my boyfriend, Pedro Pascal. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no. Uh, anyway, Marvel, Loki, yes. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it could be cool. I don't know. Um, Loki kind of always was like a look and a couple funny lines here and there. Um, but that does not make a TV show. So we'll see. Um, we'll see. Yeah, yeah. I'm kind of surprised. Like, I didn't, I don't know that I fully bought the like, because now I think I'm fully bought into the theory that all the Netflix stuff is going to end and then it's going to migrate over somehow. And then like, they're not going to be any more new Netflix shows. Like Disney's just going to do Disney streaming things on Disney plus. Um, like, and I don't know what that means for like runaways or whatever else, but I'm kind of, I'm fully committed that the age of Disney, the Disney Marvel shows on Netflix or is over. I mean, if, if it is, I just hope that, I think that the problem, there were a lot of problems with the Marvel Netflix shows, but the tone to me wasn't the issue. It was making every show have that tone. And I, I just hope that like the Disney streaming, the shows that they do aren't all Josh Whedon, jokey Avengers, because I, I'm not into that. I, I don't want like 10 shows of just that. So I just hope that they allow themselves to actually be creative. You wouldn't, you wouldn't watch it if they hired Josh Whedon to be the showrunner of the Loki show? Because that's still that's still a possibility. Oh God, <laughs> that would be so bad. Oh, oh man, it's it's me, the one who doesn't think that the Avengers movies are all that. Funny. <laughs> you know, it would be really. I just had this thought just now. What if they hired like Michael Schur to be like the like main showrunner creator person of like the Loki show? Oh my God, that would be so cool. It would be. It would be. I'm just like I don't know. I'm I'm the person who doesn't find them that funny. Like, I think the first guardians of the galaxy movie is really annoying. Oh yeah. No, I, yeah. I think it has its moments, but, um, like I, I cringed at that dance off scene. I don't find that funny at all. I thought that was terrible, but anyway, <laughs> anyway, if they're all that I'm, if all the shows are that I'm out, I'm <laughs> only signing up for, for Diego Luna and Pedro Pascal and star Wars shows. And that's it. And you, and you, that's, it. that's what they get my money for. Jess, you have some, some, the, some angry people tweet, tweeting at you, the, at, you know, oh man, I'm gonna have I'm gonna have the MCU stands coming at me soon, just like you had the DC Titans fans. Yeah, the, oh man, uh, the Snydies after me. They haven't. Oh man, release the Snyder, re- release the Snyder cut. You better. They, <laughs> I haven't heard from them anymore. I got also my reviews got a little bit more favorable, but that's an that's an entire other conversation. Yeah, I would have just gotten even, I would have just been petty about it. And just like, even if I liked it, I would just been like, no, the show sucks. I'm like a little, like, like my like first parts are always like a little bit petty. And then it's kind of like, but this is like, it's gotten better, but that doesn't mean it's a good show. Anyway, so I'm tempting them. None of them have cussed at me again on Twitter. <laughs> uh, they probably have just stopped reading it, which is what I would have done. So <laughs> anyway, we're going to take a quick break and we'll come back in the second part of the episode and talk about. Uh, some books that Marvel put out in November, which sounds lame, but it's not going to be lame. I promise. Or I don't promise. We'll see you. Hello, my name is Alice W. Castle, and I host Force Ghost Coast to Coast on the Multiverse A Podcast Network. Each episode, we discuss all the news from the galaxy far, far away, from movies to comics to novels to TV to games and everything in between. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you find podcasts. Come join us next time, and may the force be with you. And we're back. 
for the second part of the episode, we're going to be reviewing some of the biggest books that Marvel put out in the month of November. Just to note real quick, we are recording this episode the week of Thanksgiving. So there is one more week of Marvel comics, one more Wednesday of stuff coming out uh, on November 28th that we're not that we're not going to be able to get to just if, you know, for when this episode has to hit multiversity. So notable things that come out that week. The first issue of E-Viewing's uh, Ironheart book comes out that week. And then also Marvel 2 and 1 ends. And the death of Daredevil, the Daredevil 612 issue, which is the end of, of Souls Run, are things that we could have talked about this month, but but didn't because of, of the way that uh, things fell. So some of that might come up uh, next month or in a, in a, you know, in a next episode or or yeah, but if there's any of that that you want to talk about, if you're listening to this episode the week after Thanksgiving, if your stomach's already full, but your mind is racing and your Twitter thumbs are going, you can definitely tweet at us, talk to us, whatever on the interwebs. And uh, and yeah, we would love to uh, talk about all that stuff. Um, but what we are going to talk about uh, in the second part of this episode is the first issue of uncanny x-men so the first issue of the disassembled arc the weekly series that marvel's doing to bring back uncanny x-men uh marvel knights 20th number one so the 20th anniversary of the marvel knights imprint uh the first issue of the six issue miniseries that uh donny cates and co are doing and then also avengers number 10 which is um the 700 issue of avengers the anniversary issue um there's a lot of stuff going on there so we'll cover them in that order so first we are going to talk about uncanny x-men number one co-written by kelly thompson matthew rosenberg and ed brisson and then illustrated by mama nasrar and colored by rochelle rosenberg now there are some backup tales and we'll get to those in a second and those have different creative teams but Overall, for the main story, Jess, what were your sort of initial thoughts about the first issue of this weekly series? Um, it's it's a little scattered. I think it, it's it's like I don't think it's found. I don't think it finds its footing in the first issue just yet. Um, I I think because it knows it's weekly and it can take its time and get there, it's going to do that. Um, but I like how everything's kind of been brought together um, into one thing. Uh, you have like Kitty's team and now Jean Grey's team. They're kind of all together. I like that. Um, and the and the Gen X team is all together. I do like that. Um, but yeah, there's there's not a lot to go off on yet. It's it's just it's the first issue at least because um, I know people reading probably have gone uh, listening have probably gone on a bit. But like the first issue, I don't think has knows what it wants to do yet. Yeah, yeah, I think that's, I think that's really, I think that's a really good way to describe it. Like it is, it's very, yeah, scattered, scattered is a really good word. That's, I don't think that's the word that that I would use, but I think that's, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, Yeah, it feels like it's, it is like some summarizing and combining all these different threads that have been going on since like, you know, like the resurrection, sort of that whole line of X-Men comics, like it's sort of. It's stemming from like X-Men gold. None of the young X-Men show up because they're probably dead or they went back to their home planet or their home timeline or whatever, because that's going to happen. Um, and like Jean Grey's living in the house and in the house and like, you know, her team is kind of all all there and that's exciting. So all the X-Men red stuff is kind of um, like wrapped up. So like it is and like in like uh, 
like Laura is like front and center in this issue. And that's exciting. Cause like the all new Wolverine and the X 23 book are, are really, really good. And like, she's a great character. Um, so yeah, like, so it sort of is like taking all these things that have happened for the last couple years and saying, okay, here's this whole world and here's sort of all this where all this stuff is, but it is kind of scattered. I don't really have know most of these, like most of the young, younger X-Men people in this, this issue. Like I really don't have know a lot about them. And so like a lot of their stuff was kind of like, eh, to me. Um, but it is sort of scattered. And it's also like very also in like a itself, it's self aware of this, but also in just sort of a, in like a meta way, but it's like a, like in a self-aware meta way, like it references like a lot of different things. Like a lot of different X-Men stories have been like, there's, you know, like there's a Senator who's trying to get this like pharmaceutical vaccine drug for the X gene, you know, passed through like Congress or whatever the heck. And like somebody literally uses the phrase, no more mutants. And in the, in the issue. And like at one point, um i think like i think it's jubilee who like is talking about like don't you feel like you've been here before and we're like yes yes we have been here before we have definitely been here before and so i guess i'm i'm curious with that like um with all sort of like the the self-referencing like does this seem like like fresh or does this seem like is this like what you want like an x-men story to be like in 2018 like sort of like retreading a lot of this old ground old ground and doing some of this like nostalgia stuff or or what do you Excuse me. What do you think about that, Jess? I mean, I think that's just X Men. Honestly, they they seem to always. I mean, they seem to. They. I don't want to say they get stuck, but I think that sometimes they get um, very into homaging the past, and um, I like that everyone kind of seems aware of it right now. I like that. I. I I think that's going to lead to somewhere interesting. And I especially think that last page, at least of the main story is, is really exciting. <laughs> I mean, you catch apocalypse, really? Come on. That's, that's cool. I think that's cool. I think that's very cool. I know I haven't, yeah, read, like, so I what... haven't read a uh, past issue one, so I don't know uh, if it goes anywhere, but yeah, I, I'm super into like what these three specific people all get caught. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah so we can yeah we can we can jump to the the cliffhanger so yeah so that's a that's like the most interesting part of this mm-hmm. issue to me is this is this last page of like kitty's captured and this weird senator is captured and like then apocalypse is also captured um and like that was like i was reading i was reading this issue and like the first sort of um like 30 pages or whatever because it's a lot i mean it's the main story is like like 30 30 something pages it's a yeah. long issue um, I was like, okay, like this seat, like I haven't read a lot of X-Men comics, but like, this seems really familiar. This seems like some of the X-Men stuff that I've read or like movies that I've read or like, movies that I've seen or whatever. Um, like, I don't know why, I don't know why multiple man's doing his thing, but like, I guess he's sort of back. Cause like Matt, like Rosenberg wrote that many and all that. Um, but then like the last page, like with apocalypse there, I'm like, okay, here we go. Game, like game time. Um, it's like this is like this is what the series is going to be about. It's like okay, we had to cover all this familiar ground. Like we had to like be the sort of intro level title for people that haven't done X Men stuff. And like here we go, we're hitting the ground, hitting the ground running. But then I d- I did read the second issue. Um, do you mind? You mind if I? Oh, go for if it. I, okay. So so it doesn't follow up on the apocalypse thing at all. Um, 
like it it sort it goes to like a, a completely separate thing like it follows up on all the like weird like because there's all this weird stuff going on and like there's some more weird stuff with 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 um with madrix with jamie um but what does happen at the end of that issue because there's these people protesting outside of the of the of the mansion or whatever is that legion like legion shows up and he's like okay i'm here to fix everything um and so like the compare and he's on the cover of issue three so i don't think that's like really like a spoiler spoiler um if you're anybody who reads the solicits and has a brain you could have come to that 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 sort of conclusion or whatever but like he he shows up he's like hey i'm ready to fix everything and so then it's like okay it's like we have apocalypse in the first issue and we have um like uh legion in the second issue it's like okay so already like the age of apocalypse sort of like characters or people are like they're there like and they're in the midst of the story and so it's like interesting that it took like i think like the first like two or three issues of the series are going to be set up which i guess you can do in a weekly series like you can spend more time setting things up um but then i think like the middle of this series is gonna like take off and be something really really cool and really really interesting yeah yeah i think so too it just it is a weekly series so they do time is on their side i guess if like if you have i mean it's like the first issue should do more at um getting people in but i think that with a weekly series you've either especially since it was a higher price point i think um you're either in or you're out before you even get that first issue i think with most people that's the key sure sure they know if people are in they're in so they could take some time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what they, what they do with this issue is, yeah. Cause it is like a, like a double, like a double, 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 double size issue. And it's eight bucks. And so they tack on three backup stories at the end of this. And that's how they, that's how they meet the, the 72 page page count, um, which is kind of nuts. Uh, so we have, a Bishop backup story written by Matthew, written by Rosenberg, illustrated by Mirko Kolak, a Jean Grey story by Thompson and Ibrahim Robertson, and then an Arbor Armor and an, an old story by Brisson and Mark Bagley, and then an epilogue by Thompson and Bagley. Um, so, what did you think about the backups? Like, did they feel necessary to the like main part of the story? Like, did they add anything to it, or um, or what? Not for me, honestly. Um, uh, I did like the Bishop story because it does tie back to like Age of Apocalypse, which is pretty cool. Um, with Sugar Man because Sugar Man's like the only other character that actually came through after Age of Apocalypse, and like he's, I mean, he's a villain, but he's not like he's kind of inconsequential in the long run. Um, but mm-hmm. it's kind of cool to see him. Uh, the other ones didn't do a ton for me, honestly. Um, but they were okay; they were fine, but they weren't like. I, I don't I don't have like strong opinions on them either way. Sure, sure. I did like I, I did oh go oh, ahead. No, no, I'm I'm good. Okay. Yeah, I thought they were kinda interesting. I, I had kind of thought because like the way that this issue was solicited, it was with like Esrar drawing. I thought it was like Esrar doing seventy two pages. Foolish assumption on, on on dumb assumption on my part. Uh, like I kind of thought that it was going to be like 72 pages of like story story, not like 36 pages of story, which is a lot of like, which is still a lot for um, like for a, for a single comic book issue. And then 
of these three backup stories. Um, and I'm, yeah, like I, I don't think that they really add anything to the, to the beginning. I don't, I don't even know that they add any helpful context other than the, uh, like then the story that Brisson and Bagley did the armor and an old story where they're like, they're pissed off that they aren't like full X-Men or whatever. Um, Cause that's like a thread that gets picked up again in issue two. And like, that's a thread that gets played out in like the first part of the issue where they're mad that like they're going on this training exercise and, they like you're kind of like they're like x-men but they're not x-men or whatever and i didn't i didn't think much of that like i didn't think that it was going to be a continuing theme throughout this whole series but um but it's picked up again pretty heavily in issue two also uh but i don't know if that was if that was necessary to squeeze another four dollars out of people um but that could be me i don't know i think you're right though like i think the people that were going to read this book that were going to uh, like read an uncanny X-Men book, whether it was weekly or not, like we're already decided. I just kind of feel bad for the people that like haven't really read a lot of X-Men books and then they like had to pay $8 for this. And it's kind of like a, it's entry level, but yeah. it's not. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think about, so we know all the things about the age of X-Men now, like we know what's coming after. Um, and we know that this is leading to that which is, you know, uh, like a burden of the solicits. Do you think that that makes this story like kind of like kind of a bust or like, do you think that it's going to like impact some of your enjoyment of reading this? Cause I'm assuming you're, you're going to keep reading because of like you're you write the X-Men column for, for um, multiversity. I, I don't think it takes away. I think it, I, I think that this is, I think when we get later into the series, I think this might actually explain how we end up in that like utopia um, I don't know who the villain behind all this is, but whoever it is, that might be what they're trying to do. Especially now that you said that Legion appears. So maybe like Legion does something that like fixes it all. I don't know. Maybe he calls it a utopia. I yeah. don't know. Yeah. I kind of thought that like, like, like Nate Gray, that like X, X-Men or whatever would be, is like the like villain or like not villain or whatever. Um, Cause I thought he was, he might be the one with like the long hair or whatever that shows up at the end of uh, like the epilogue or whatever. Um, but Legion also has really long hair, which I didn't realize. So it might be him too. And they're both like crazy good telepathy people or whatever mind control people. But I don't know. Yeah. I just like, I, I like, I think it's like we knew kind of what was coming after. Um, and I think for me personally, like this, this series was more like a lot more exciting when I didn't know what was coming after. Like when it was like Thompson and Rosenberg and Brisson, like mm-hmm. creating something cool together. Not like, not like this was basically like the prologue for this other big thing that's yeah. happening. And I, I think um, that might take some people out of it. Cause they'll feel like maybe they can just, you know, jump on with the new mini series. And that's probably going to be exactly what you can do. Um, but I do have like questions. Mm-hmm. Like I do want to see how some of it unfolds. Sure. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Well, cool. You ready? You ready to move on then? Yeah, let's do it. Alrighty. Alrighty. Moving right along then. So, uh, second, uh, book that we are covering, uh, this episode is the Marvel Knights 20th, uh, number one. So the first issue of the 20th anniversary mini series for Marvel Knights 
written by Donnie Cates, illustrated by Travel Foreman. And I want to see who... So inked inked by Derek Ferdolfs and then colored by Matt Miller. Um, cool. Because I have I want to talk a little bit about Foreman's art in a little bit. But, um, but yeah, overall, Jess, what were your initial thoughts about this first issue of this this anniversary fun fun book i liked it so much i don't i didn't read any reviews i don't know what the consensus is for it but i liked it so much this is so my jam it's like it's it's a lot of characters that i really like it's a lot of like darker street level characters that i'm super into and then like the fact that they don't know who they are and like their world is kind of weird and messed up it's like yes this is exactly what i like i i really like it um yeah i i'm super into it like daredevil crying over karen page's grave i'm like yes misery yes <laughs> i love it i love it, it was, it's so good i i enjoyed this first issue a lot very cool very cool yeah i thought it was really really cool i thought it was really really interesting and sort of like a like a fun meta way of like kate's taking this like line of comics that doesn't exist anymore and then saying like okay what fun story can i spin out of this oh they don't remember who they are because like nobody refers really to these stories anymore. And so then like Frank Castle's a cop because like, of course Punisher's a cop and he's like, you know, with, with the Hulk trying to like make everything better and fix everything. And then like Matt runs into all these people and he runs into Karen, like, and she's like a ghost, but he runs into like the fantastic four and they don't know they're the fantastic four and all this stuff. Um, and I, th- I thought this was like a really, like a really, really fun issue and like a great way to um, like to celebrate this line. Like it, it could have just been sort of like a weird untold tale thing of the Marvel Knights or whatever. But like instead, like Kate's is saying, OK, what's something that I can do that sort of like thematically celebrates all these books, but is also like completely different and just like completely completely fun and like completely separate and whatever else so that was cool yeah for sure like i i do think like if you just vaguely know who all these characters are i think you still can get super into it because it's like they're re it's like they're introducing them to you anyway for the first time so if you're just like i wonder what this is about like Mm -hmm. you could just read this i mean i don't i don't know how many people are doing that but you could yeah 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 yeah, like I haven't read any of those, like of those, like of the really of the, like the Marvel Knight imprint books for the most part. Um, I don't know if you have, if you read any of those books from that. Oh, uh, Daredevil. Daredevil. Okay. Okay. Um, and so, like, I don't know if if any of this is like is additive to to that, or is like if these characters. I mean, like, I would assume that those characters acted sort of the same way that some of their like regular like you know now like marvel counterparts act or whatever but i had to like look up like i didn't realize that how extensive that line was until this issue like i didn't realize the fantastic four were part of that line and um so like when like when they show up and like when doom shows up and like when like banners banners here and like jennifer walters is here um it's like, I didn't realize that all those characters were also a part of the Marvel Knights. Cause I just kind of thought they were like the street level characters, but, um, but it was like, it was like more than that. And I forgot that there was mm-hmm. like that in, in yeah. human book. Apparently, apparently the Roberto, a, a gear, whatever a gears. I can't remember how, I don't know how to say oh, the Archie. Like, yeah. Sacasa. 
Apparently, he wrote the Marvel Knights Fantastic Four book. Yeah, he did. Mm-hmm. I didn't. I didn't know that. Like that's super cool. Yeah. This was my Wikipedia rabbit hole prepping. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, it's it was a great line. It was like really to kind of revitalize Marvel and be a little bit more mature and different, and it worked. Yeah. 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 I love the moment where Bullseye like realizes his name is Lester and he was like, what yeah. the hell? Because <laughs> nobody names their kid Lester. Sorry for any of you listeners whose name is Lester. Sorry, any real life Lesters. No, I, I really like them all. I really like that Frank Castle's kind of the guy with banner that has like bring it all together. And like, I am a little weird about Frank Castle being a cop. Um, but yeah, I'm a little weird about that, but I guess it makes sense. It's like really on the nose. Yeah, it is. Um, but I, I like the characterizations. I like, um, I kind of love that Karen page is like around, like there's Mm -hmm. a ghostly Karen page. I think that's kind of funny. Um, yeah. Karen page stayed dead. So like, I, uh, I wonder if this might be their way to try to bring her back. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Cause you said you read the second issue too, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. And you got to the end and you realized that like everybody can see ghost, ghost Karen page. Yeah, everyone can see ghost Karen page and like Electra sort of knows everything sort of. She just doesn't mm-hmm. want to accept it. It's yeah, it's, it's good. It, it's good. I, I really, I, I hope maybe some other books come out of this, but we'll see I, as like a one-off story. I think this could be really fun. I've enjoyed yeah, the first yeah. two issues at least. I agree with that. I thought it was, this was my sort of like little comment. I thought it, like when I realized it was, it was travel foreman who was illustrating the, like the first issue, I had to take a moment cause it, it doesn't look like a lot of travel foreman's. Um, no. Like, no, no, it doesn't. Uh, like I read, I read electric warriors recently. Um, like the first issue of that, his like DC book that he's doing with Steve Orlando. And it looks nothing like this. Um, because he like inked himself and it's like w- way like psychedelic and like more like spacey. Yeah. It looks more like, like Fraser Irving yeah. art. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And this just kind of looks like more sort of like gritty regular superhero art. And I think part of it's because of like the people who are inking and coloring him. Um, but he has that, like the issue where like, or like not the issue, the page where like Matt starts to remember stuff where he's like, everything spins out. That's like the travel foreman art that I'm like used to seeing. Yeah, I, I I've always been, I've been a big fan of his too. He was working on Animal Man for a while. Yeah, so this looks like some of that. I had to remember that this kind of looks like some of that. Yeah. But yeah, and he, he yeah. has a lot. Like he can do a lot of really different things. Like if he wants to be really weird, he can be really weird, and I love that. I think that's really fun to have in an artist. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it looks like he's really flexible. Like I was, I saw the first like I read saw the first page of this, and I was like wait a minute, like, this doesn't look like, like, travel foreman. Like, this kind of looks just like, like any, not any, but like, you know, sort of more like a, like a house style or whatever. And then, like, it kept going and I was like, oh, no, I can see, like, in the line work, I can see, like, where, where the travel foreman is that exists. And then I got to that page where Matt's, like, it's page, it's page nine of the, or page 11 of the PDF, or nine of the PDF that I have. Where it's like he's like he says like I remember everything and it's like the full page and it's like all the circles that spin out, um, and like some of the like things are like inked like differently, and so they look sort of like more like painterly than they do like a regular comic book arty. And I was like, okay, this is this is it. This is Travel Foreman. Mm-hmm. Yep. 
but yeah yeah but i really i really really enjoyed the first two issues of this and i think it'll be it'll be interesting to kind of see where like yeah where it goes like you were saying like and like especially like the second issue because it's co like it's it's you know it's plotted like the stories from donny cates but like the script was like matt rosenberg's and it's a little bit wordier than the first issue for sure there's a lot more like it's a lot more of like people explaining things like very explainy. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. Like I'm curious where, cause I think the next issue, I think three is the script is teeny Howard. And then I think four the script is Vida Ayala. So like, I'm curious how those issues will be like, will be different than the second issue. Like if they will be um, like, it'll be fun to go back and compare mm-hmm. all this stuff after it's all done. Yeah. Yeah. And I and I do I am curious what'll come of this because this has been this is a really this is a really fun issue, um, but yeah yeah that that's like that's like my thing too with it like I don't know like I think like as a story it's fun mm-hmm. I just don't know like what the end game is for it sure 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 and it could just be like the end game is it for is it to be it's it's for to be fun like it's just for like for fun and that's that's totally fine and like we'll get to, get to the end of it and be like oh this was great and but if like if there's something else cool that comes out of this like some other anniversary things that come out of this line like i think that would be really really cool yeah yeah all right we got one more book to cover tonight we got uh avengers number 10 which is the 700th issue of avengers for forever and ever and ever um written by jason aaron illustrated by ed mcginnis and david marquez who are the two series artists for this book. And then also has some pages in the backups from Fraser Irving, Adam Kubert and Andre Sorrentino. Um, so we'll start with the main story and then move some to the backups. There's a lot that goes on so much in this issue. It's kind of nuts. Um, what were your sort of your initial thoughts, Jess, about, about this, this anniversary book? I, I haven't been reading Avengers this was so much thrown at me at once. I didn't read Secret Empire. I just all of this was so much to me. Um, yeah, I a lot of it just went over my head, except for like some of the reveals that I understood yeah. because I had seen like the spoilers and things of other things, and just it was a lot. It was just a lot. It's it's definitely not a place to be like, yeah, I'm gonna read this for the first time right here. Yeah, yeah. Because have you just because we read the first issue of this run for the podcast? Have you read any more since then? And I barely remember what happened in that first issue. Okay, okay, yeah. I so I've been like slowly catching up on stuff. So I'm kind of caught up on a little bit on all the Avengers stuff. And it, I know that like we were sort of like mixed on the first issue. It got a lot better. Um, It was like it was like it was like a slow burn to get to where. like by the end of that first arc, like by the end of the final host stuff, all the stuff that was sort of like set up in, in like Marvel legacy number one. And like, like this book kind of hit its stride at the end of that arc, which is super weird. Cause like it got the team together and like, it's like, which is what that arc was about, but it was also playing off stuff from Marvel legacy. And then like it hit its stride afterward. It's kind of odd, but, but, but whatever, but yeah, there's so much, like there's so, so much going on in this book. Cause like, this whole second arc that Marquez has been drawn has been about um, like the Namor stuff. And, and um, so like that's going on here. 
and then like we're getting this like Russian super team all getting together. So like the Winter Guard, and like I don't really know most of these characters that they get together here, but it's like I think it's fun because it's like it's like newer characters like the Red Widow or whatever. Because I think that's like she's a character that's only been around in the last couple of years. Um, and then also like you have like Crimson Dynamo and like some of these other characters, and they're like then like they're fighting Namor and like Namor's defenders. And then like the other Avengers show up and like black Panther's the leader now. And like, um, like the U S is mad and like cap threatens them, but I don't know why he has the power to threaten people. Cause he like totally just went full Hydra on the country and it's all sorts of scary. And then like, there's like, like four or five reveals in like the backup that are yeah, just like, kind of those Cause there are a lot. Okay. Okay, so I think the first one, the first so the first sort of big one. So we get it's like this Russian super team gets together. That's like a big. That's a that's a reveal, and like the Avengers are at odds with them. And so then the first big reveal is that so um, Thaddeus Ross, who is like I think he's the secretary yeah. of like the army or something now, and he's Coates has been doing stuff with him in Captain America. Um, he's put together a like an American. Um, like Avengers team, uh, which Agent Coulson has put together. Coulson's alive again. Coulson died. So that's one. And this team is, it's the Squadron Supreme of America. So like the like Justice League analog team that Marvel created in like the 80s or 90s and like wrote a miniseries and they've been around some. So like Hyperion and Nighthawk and those people. They're all together. Oh, by the way, Nighthawk had a fantastic miniseries. If anybody's trying to read something really good, yeah, yeah, the David Walker, R- Ramon, Villalobos, so good, so good, so good. Everyone, read it. yeah. This woman on this page totally looks like Wonder Woman in black. Yeah, it's so funny. <laughs> I was like, I, I got here and I was like, oh, that's just Wonder Woman. Um, but like, she's supposed to be like a Wonder Woman type character type character or whatever so what do you th- so the squad so it's always been the squadron supreme it's never been the squadron supreme of america um what do you think about about that reveal first and then we'll keep going um it's okay i guess it, it is a little interesting it does add, i mean like with shield not being what shield was and like not really existing and like the avengers not really being part of like the Avengers really aren't like the team that represents like America, I guess, like mm-hmm. it used to be. It's an interesting little twist. It it's it, it could go a lot of different ways. So I, I'm I don't have like I don't have a huge opinion one way or the other, honestly. Okay. Yeah, I think I th- so I think it's I just think it's I think this is all really fascinating. Like this book started so slow and it's like burdened by Marvel Legacy number one. And now that it's like hit its stride, like it's like reading this was akin to reading like what what Scott Snyder and, and Jim Chung and Jorge Jimenez are doing with Justice League right now. I was like, it's just like reading. It's just like reveal after reveal. And there's so much like secret things going on in the background and big reveals happening happening at the end. And I'm like on board with like exciting stuff um like that but there's just like so much packed in here so i'm excited about what this means and like what this means going forward um like i don't i don't think that i think i don't think that they're addressing it in the next couple months like i don't think the next arc is about the avengers facing off with the squadron supreme although i could be wrong about that i think it's still 
I think it's still like Namor kind of stuff um, for the next little bit. Let me let me check. I don't actually know if that's correct. Um, but it is it is interesting. Like there's just there's just like yeah. Here we go. Okay. Yeah. So. So yeah, so in so so it's some of like the politics stuff in December, and then in January, um, I think it's I think it's still just like politicy stuff. So it may be some of the Squadron Supreme things, but in like in February, the February solicits came out this week, and it's like they're going to um, like to uh, to to Transylvania like they're going where Blade is and like Blade that's the reveal like the last reveal in the book is that like Blade's gonna join the Avengers and they're going there and like they're gonna like fight fight vampires or whatever nice that's like yeah see I'm gonna have to read it now because uh, <laughs> that's that's yeah that's marketing towards me marketing towards you and the, yeah. you and the all the all the other vampire lovers all the yeah. other people that read read Twilight in the mid odds oh man watch True Blood oh man <laughs> <laughs> good old True Blood good old True Blood man. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I guess like the second, so the first backup story, there's not really any reveals in that, but it's Odin gets drunk and tries, tries to beat up a, a, a 20 year old. So he tries to beat up Robbie Reyes. And I think like the backup, the, the thing there is that like star brand's going to come back. So like the guy that Robbie killed yeah. in Marvel legacy number one, <laughs> like that's sort of the reveal, but you get more of that in the second backup story. So the second backup story um takes kind of takes place after the end of the first arc like the celestials are mad at loki because he kind of like manipulated them and he shows up in that first arc and then like weird cosmic wolverine shows up which um he like shows up because he shows up in that first issue of jason aaron's new thor book where he's like got the phoenix force or whatever but apparently like the wolverine that showed up in marvel legacy number one with the infinity stone is the same Wolverine that showed up in Jason Aaron's new Thor relaunch and is like Phoenixy and he's like Phoenixy here and he does like Phoenixy things and like is like fighting the celestials and stuff and he like has hot claws still and then like there's that page of all the teaser stuff which is crazy yeah it's on there is like um uh Iron Fist is like fighting the hand I think and like um, Moon Knight has like a bunch of zombies or something, and there's like a bunch of different star brands. Yeah, yeah, and it's like it teases. I think like War of the Realm stuff because Malekith's on there. Man, Man Thing has yes. has Thor's hammer. There's like a medieval looking Punisher on there, um, and and then like the the Hyperion is is crushing caps like cap shield so like that's we know that stuff's coming but yeah like the the moon knight stuff and the punisher stuff and the iron fist stuff was this and the and the man thing with with mjolnir or whatever like that's that's the part of this that's like really interesting because it means that like this book's just gonna get like is gonna get bigger and more nuts like it's not gonna slow down nope can't stop, won't stop. Can't stop, won't stop. And we can't stop. <laughs> and we won't stop. See what happens when Nick is dead and isn't here to stop this? Poor Nick on somebody's Thanksgiving <laughs> table. 
we will miss you forever. <laughs> um, God, that joke got real dark. Shoot. God, Nick, come <laughs> back. Oh, um, yeah. I kind of have like, I guess like my theory about all this stuff is that like War of the Realms is going to happen and it's going to wrap like Jason Aaron's Thor run, but it's going to like lead into the next phase of his like Avengers run, which is kind of, mm-hmm. kind of brilliant in one way. Like it's ending one thing that not that he's like burdened by, but like in the, like in the Avengers, I guess like portion, he's like kind of burdened by. Um, Cause it's like the Thor stuff has kind of been its whole like separate thing. And he gets to end that and it gets to build on this like, avengers arc that he gets to keep crafting for like the next few years for sure yeah i think that's ex- i think you're right it's gonna be like his his like infinity or whatever that's the event that hickman did i guess right in the middle of his avengers thing yeah and then he ended it he ended it with secret wars mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so we're getting we'll get something even bigger than the war of the realms um cool so the last like avengers reveal thing is that Blades joining the Avengers and Wasp is also kind of around too in this book, which is good. Getting yeah, getting the, some... the Wasp the Wasp bit was kind of fun because my boy is back. <laughs> Your boy Blade is back. Blade. Yeah, and it's cool that like Wasp, like I love like Wasp has been showing up in a lot of different books lately. Um, I mean, like Unstoppable Wasp relaunched, but she's she was in that issue of Dan Slott's Iron Man run, which like she really wasn't. She didn't act like a Janet Van Dyne that I know in that issue, but like she was showing up and she's showing up here, which I think means she's going to show up in in future issues of this book, which is exciting that she's going to be front and center again. Yeah. 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 Um, Blade Blade coming back, though, is 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 interesting. Um, because Blade was supposed to get a series. Oh yeah. Yeah. And it was going to be Blade and his daughter. Um, but there was a, there was some uh, conversation around it because it was being done by Tim Seeley and people were like, well, why couldn't they have get, why couldn't they get a person of color to do this? Why couldn't they specifically get a black writer? Marvel has them. So you know, um, so there was a, a good conversation around it, and then uh, ultimately the project never saw the light of day. So I'm wondering if like this is their way of like bringing Blade back, and then maybe getting us like a Blade series. That would be really cool. That would be yeah, really cool. I'd be super into Blade coming back. Yeah, who would be who would be your dream like writer that Marvel oh, currently has to write a Blade series? Okay. Honestly, I think Teeny Howard would write a really good Blade. She's oh, like yeah. super into vampires, and I think she would have so much fun with it. Um, David Walker would probably write a really cool Blade. Um, I loved his his Luke Cage uh, and Iron Fist book, and then his Luke Cage book. I thought they were both fantastic. Um, I like to see him play around with more like horror themes. That'd be fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, drawing it i don't know um <laughs> i I've, i don't know if anybody at marvel right now has has the horror chops to do it honestly um because i would want like a really dark blade book like i wouldn't want like pg-13 blade like i wouldn't want like blade dropping f-bombs to drop f-bombs but i want some vampires to get decapitated you know blade's gonna be a vampire hunter you know slice and dice with that sword you know like i don't want something to hold back sure. so i don't know who i want to draw it yeah, I think like I think um, 
I think Teeny Howard and David Walker would probably be the people that I would pick too. Like those are those are the those are like two of the names that came to mind. I think like Coates could particular like maybe write like a decent or like not Coates, but like Nettie. I think like Nettie Okorafor. Oh yeah, <laughs> cool to write a Blade book. Um, but I think artist wise, like I think Sorrentino does a really cool job here. I think he would be oh, like a, yeah, like he a would fun be artist. really good. Or like um, like the <clears throat> guy who did the second issue of the Marvel Knights, Nico Hencheron. I think he would do a Juan, good. Juan, Juan Ferrero would do a fantastic bleed. Oh if shit! Anyone, yeah, yeah. If anyone has ever like, if their first uh, look at his work was in Green Arrow, you absolutely need to go back and like hit up your local library or comic store and get the Colder trilogy. Mm-hmm. That is some really dark shit. Like his work is crazy on that the story is really good but like the real selling point is like the most insane things that he does artistically and if they let him do that with blade oh my god that would be great another one that when you were saying that that i just thought of was the guy who did that like that midnight suns teaser thing so greg smallwood mm, yeah he would do a good one too but juan Ferreira probably better juan Ferreira would teeny howard and juan Ferreira. Blade, oh my god Blade I, would, I would die oh my god <laughs> that would yeah, be great yeah howard is a big vampire fan and yeah she would she would kill it oh my god yeah yeah um so like overall so there's a lot packed into this avengers issue i guess coming back what did you what did you think of the book overall like with it, it's just sort of like massive information dump like does this make you want to read more avengers make you want to go back and on what you've missed or or what it it doesn't make me want to go back but it does make me interested in like what uh what comes next because there's a lot of teasers but like i don't know if any of those things are going to actually be dealt with in the avengers book so like if the blade stuff and and like wasp are in here then like i'll read this um but i don't know I, i i guess i have to see I, I definitely want to check out the next issue. Like, I, I want to see where the Squadron Supreme of America is going. Okay. 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 That's, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. It's interesting. Like, I just had this thought too. Like, Aaron's, Jason Aaron's really, like, a lot of his books have those, like, one page teaser images like that. Um, Like, all of the Thor comics have had pages like that. And, like, we're still dealing with, some of the things that he's forecasted in a lot of those like teaser images. So I'm well, yeah, I am wondering if a lot of this stuff is going to happen in Avengers or if it'll happen in Avengers related books or whatever. Um, I think like, I think like I'm excited that this book has hit its stride finally. And it's, and it really does seem like that this is going to be, this is like the driving force of like the main sort of like Marvel universe part. I mean, like the X-Men are going to do their own thing here on the side which is probably good because that's, I mean, like that's historically, they just have kind of been doing their own thing on the side, which is totally fine. Um, but like, yeah, like this is like the driving force, for like the rest of the Marvel universe. And that's kind of like it, that hasn't happened in the last few years. So that's exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, cool. Do you got any other November, November comic key thoughts? Um, no, but I, um, I guess, yeah, it, it I guess cause it's Thanksgiving. It kind of does suck that it's like, now and like we won't have a chance to like really get into like next week's stuff like Ironheart so yeah it's it's a little bit of a bummer but yeah it, I mean it's comics are cool Marvel's got some cool stuff mm-hmm. um Avengers was a lot but yeah comics are cool keep reading comics them. are cool keep reading, keep reading them. them 
keep a reading. <laughs> cool. Um, well, great. Well, that does it, folks, for our November issue of Make by Multiversity. Uh, we'll be back next month, probably with multiple episodes. But until then, uh, Jess, where can people find you on the larger interwebs? Um, you can find me uh, on Twitter at JessCamNJ. Um, also, uh, read all my stuff at Multiversity Comics and Geeked Out Nation. Uh, I will be reviewing Runaways in December, which is really, really soon. And I'm also not stopping my X-Files review. I'm going to review the entire series. So get hyped. I'm keeping it going. <laughs> never. It's never going to end. Here we go. Never, never stop, stop. Never stop stopping. Uh. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. Very cool. Well, you can find Nick if his turkey self can still tweet at in Palmary writes writes like you're writing, not writes like rights and things. Um, and then you can you can also find him at multiversitycomics.com. And then you can find me on Twitter at KB Gregory 13 and then also at Multiversity. We'll be back in December with our December wrap up with talking about things like the Fantastic Four wedding uh, Defenders, the best defense, uh, the Miles Morales series starts next month. We'll, and then also things like X-Force and Winter Soldier. So we'll be covering some or all of that. Uh, and then also, since December is the end of the month, we'll probably be doing maybe some like best of stuff. So, and also that the Miles Morales into the Spider-Verse movie comes out and we are definitely going to go see that shit. I am super hyped. Um, but yeah, folks that wraps November, have a wonderful Thanksgiving, all that shit. Um, don't eat Nick. He's our friend. And until we'll see you next month. Bye.